0: Hey guys, it's Kurt. I just wanted to let you know that there were some technical difficulties while we recorded this conversation. My side of the conversation for the first majority of it was being recorded through my computer microphone instead of through my USB microphone, which gives a much better sound quality. It's the one you are used to hearing. Um, So my side of the conversation is going to sound weird and frankly bad for the first most of the episode. So my apologies, and I hope you can get something out of this episode, despite the poor sound quality on my end.
1: Are we podcasting? We're podcasting. We're podcasting. So So before we get in too deep about things, how... life words my mouth I just want everyone to know that this weekend is mine and Kurt's four year podcast anniversary. so happy podcast anniversary, Kurt Graves
0: happy podcast anniversary to you Melissa Gabrielson um man we have come a long way yes in those four years a lot has changed yes shut up Jag <laughs> He's just He's like literally doing it now just to make me mad Yeah,
1: My cat just wants to be on the podcast Last week he was <laughs> complete Today he is living his best life and wants to be included So if you hear a bell in the background that is just Jed Bartlett, cat president Um, Hopefully he settles down soon eh, No promises well, uh, But yeah, a lot of our life has changed for years No, not this one Just kidding, I do love my cat He's not even mine. He's Katie's cat, no. technically, but cats are a great podcast animal.
0: People seem to like them.
1: I maybe not so much this one, as he just stares at me over the table. Yeah, jump up and lay down, okay? But yeah, it's, we've been podcasting dealer for four years. That's what I really want to talk about, and not about my cat.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> do you want to share like your favorite memory of our four years as a podcasting <laughs> duo?
1: Oh gosh. Um I mean I mean the first time we ever recorded was really special for me because you made me soup and a delicious salad and we hung out in your old apartment which I still think of very fondly cuz it was a yeah. nice little old apartment. Um and I just still hold that memory really dear cuz like it, while it was happening I didn't think it was going to be something that I was going to be looking back on so fondly. And yeah. now like when talking about the podcast and also whenever
0: I eat that soup recipe
1: of yours it just makes me think of that moment. Which is
0: half of every time I cook for you. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I'm just gonna
1: move this microphone so or the FaceTime
0: so you can see now what my life is, Kurt. Oh, uh, look at Jed is like literally getting all up in your microphone.
1: Yeah. Do you wanna be on like podcast shuttles? Yes, he does. Okay. He'd
0: like, legit. Yeah. So what you're saying is your favorite memory is the first time we recorded, and it's been all downhill from there. <laughs>
1: yep, basically.
0: <laughs> basically. Uh,
1: no, uh, I think our interview with Jacqueline Young is probably a huge highlight for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was just, like, surreal while that was happening.
0: I was going to say, yeah, my, like... I love when we get to invite other people onto the podcast. And I think one of my favorite times was when Elliot Fisher came to my house and we recorded a whole episode about just like WFCA proposals, which could have been so dry and boring, but because Elliot was there, it was like a lot of fun. And then we watched Drag Race with Elliot Fisher, which was also a
1: blast. So delightful.
0: So that was one of my favorite podcast memories, but I've I've had many Wonderful times.
1: Oh, thanks. On the pod.
0: It's been great. And, um, like, I did realize when we got to see, ladies and gentlemen, Mariah Irvin, um, this weekend, our friendship is kind of like a brand now. Like, we're not ever allowed to not be friends.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're screwed if we get upset with each other. (laughs)
0: Like... It's like, oh, yeah, we have a we have a dynamic that is recognizable yeah. to people in the real world. And like they expect us to be like that, which but it's is a good really, thing that like, we are that. I know,
1: but it's so disconcerting to like just be like you and I like riffing on each other and like chatting and enjoying ourselves and then realize that people are like more observational about that than they were before. Like it's like a thing now. And. I am already a very self-conscious person. So
0: yeah.
1: I just was already, I was just like, oh yeah, people are paying attention to me. Like, it's one thing to like be on this podcast with you where we're like in our Sunday best and um, in quotation Sunday best. and um, But it's another to like, re- like remember that other people are like listening and in like
0: Huh, we we've,
1: yeah, we have. Yeah, we But there's just whole other context of us outside of ourselves, and that's very strange for me to to reconcile sometimes. Yeah,
0: I definitely I had that moment yesterday with with ladies and gentlemen, Mariah Irvin, um, when when she said like, "Oh my God, I miss you guys." After we just did like a totally normal riff back yeah. and forth, and I was like, "Oh God, yes, that's right." <laughs> people people know us as a duo, like to the so. That's a weird thing that we've created, having a podcast together. So, wasn't that a fun four year reflection that got sort of meta and existential? Um, Speaking of. By the way, we were
1: with each other yesterday.
0: Yeah. um, You're jumping ahead, girl. I don't want to talk about that yet.
1: Okay. Tell me about your week.
0: we We had a lot of stuff go down this week, mainly because I took a day off of recording audiobook stuff on Wednesday. And that finally gave me time to do some work on our website and just kind of like rebranding Forensics Faces in general.
1: And now it has it, our faces.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, people may remember the episode last year <laughs> where we talked about getting uh, photos taken for the podcast. And now something was finally done with them. Um, and I'm really excited about it because I think it was time for a fresh new look. Like podcasting has changed like it changes so much every year or two because it just keeps getting more and more popular and so like I had the original podcast logo and then a couple years in it needed to be redone because podcast logos weren't looking like that anymore and now they've changed yet again and so many people are like this is very inside baseball and I don't know why people care but like having your face on the podcast is like a popular thing now when you look at some podcast logo so I was like well we are the forensic Faces now. Yeah. Like, that wasn't originally the intention of the name, because no. it was supposed to be about other people's faces. But now it's about our faces. So our faces are now on our official forensic Faces logo that shows up in your podcast feed. And then also, I put a bunch of photos of us on our website, which has been totally redone. And I think is even easier to navigate and has more features on it now um, than it did previously. So I'm we excited cute. about all are cute. Go
1: look at us. We cute. There's
0: some good pictures. I didn't put the ugly ones on there.
1: <laughs> we just, we, we real cute, y'all. Go check us out. Go scroll yes. through. Go look at me laughing at Kurt, trying to make Kurt laugh and failing because he's a professional and I'm not.
0: Also, I just don't find things funny.
1: It's true. You are a hard man to myself. make laugh. For
0: myself, I find myself to be very amusing.
1: <laughs> you're like the funniest person you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're the funniest uh, person I know, Kurt Graves.
0: I'm just amused by great things.
1: But go check out our new website and give us let us know what you like. If there's something you think that we should still change, let us know. But I think it looks great. You did a great job
0: thank you thank you and also um shout out to your former etude student current etude student of my former co-coach dan berkey at etude high school in Sheboygan, jackson close that was a long introduction to get to his name yeah but shout out to jackson close um who pointed out to us uh that not everybody can enjoy a podcast. It is not a medium everyone can enjoy and that we should be providing transcripts, which is something we had talked about before and something that some time and energy had gone into trying to figure out. And it's, it's expensive. And it should be because it's like, it's a, it's a skill and a talent to be able to do that well and to be able to do it quickly. And the people who do that charge money for it as well. They should Um, But until this podcast starts raking in the cash, we're not getting professional transcripts. But starting with last episode, our podcasts will now automatically be uploaded to our YouTube page. And the YouTube page will automatically create an auto-generated transcript of our conversation. And then it's available as closed caption. So it's not word perfect, but it's pretty darn close. Yeah. They do a very good job considering it is completely auto-generated. Um, so hopefully for any people who want to enjoy the podcast, but struggle with uh, having an audio medium, we'll be able to join the Forensics Faces family, jump in the conversation, send us their feedback, um, because we definitely want to hear from the largest audience and uh, group discussion possible. Yes, correct. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you, Jackson, for bringing that to our attention.
1: Yes. And yeah, it's exciting to have that feature.
0: Yeah. Anything else exciting happening for you in life?
1: Uh, Yeah, not. I mean, the season 11 cast of Drag Race got revealed this week and we got to be excited about that. So that's that's where my life is. And that's the best thing that happened
0: to me this week. That was
1: great. It was it was great. I'm really you excited. Like,
0: like, you say it like you're embarrassed by it, but that was great news. I
1: mean, other people like have families and significant others and things to like celebrate, and I'm just over here, like, who wants to talk to me about plastique tiara? Because <laughs> she's all I want to talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Who else oh. can I show her Instagram to? <laughs> oh,
0: I'm sure you'll find plenty of people. Yeah. I'm yeah. working on it um yeah that was great news i would say um, my aunt john was in washington dc for most of the week so i didn't get to see him um so i was bored yeah you were like I, was, I was bugging you and antonio in the chat sometimes because i was like i've been all alone for 48 hours and so now i'm bored somebody interact with me on a human level
1: <laughs> someone anyone thank you yeah
0: anybody pay attention to me say something <laughs> Ask me a question. <laughs> say something I disagree with, so we can argue. I don't care. Just please. <laughs> I was so bored. But now he's back. Now he's back, and at rehearsal, and not here. Yeah. So, I would put in a plug for the musical he's in, Mamma Mia, at uh, Broadway Theater in Dupier. But it's sold out, so I don't need to promote it.
1: Yeah, so. I don't even get to see it because it sold out before even I could get tickets. So,
0: yeah. so yeah. Now we can talk about what we did yesterday when we got to actually see each other in person. Yeah! Which is that we got to be at the Appleton East Tournament for the umpteenth year in a row for both of us. Um, Hosted by one, Mr. Paul Miller, and another one, Mr. Carter Touche. And... one of my favorite things or what has become one of my favorite things about the Appleton East tournament, uh, is that so many of their alumni are still involved and come back to help. And so I get like to have this annual reunion with Maureen Malone, who I competed against in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and who now listens to the podcast. So, Hey Mo, um, you get your shout out cause you talk to us about the podcast and everybody who talks to us about the podcast gets a shout out. Um, it's like, it's really become one of my favorite things about that tournament is getting to see people that have been around and involved since they were competitors, which in Mo's case is since I was a competitor. And um, I love getting to, to catch up with her and see how she's doing. Um, any other thoughts on the tournament as it was from you?
1: Um, I led a little coaching clinic of sorts at the tournament, so it was really nice to hang out with Jared from Amherst and Anne from Hortonville and just getting to chat with them, because uh, I don't always get to do that. Uh, it was also great getting to see Mariah Irvin for the first time this season. Ladies and gentlemen, Mariah Irvin. Uh, and, uh, just getting to hang out with, with you and Paul and, uh, yeah, it's just a fun tournament. But now I'm going to tell you a story from the award ceremony because you had already left.
0: I bounced.
1: Because <laughs> you get to do that now. Uh, so two things I really loved with the award ceremony. One was Paul's just really bromantic speech to Carter about how helpful and wonderful and like how great the two of them are together. And it was very cute, and I was very touched. But before he thanked Carter, when he was thanking his tab room, He gets to Mariah Irvin and instead of being like a regular person asking for a California clap, he does this whole build up about how she's a really like, like quiet person and stuff. And so she doesn't like a lot of applause. So we did a moment of reverence where we all just sat silent in the auditorium after he said her name. And I was like, oh, my God dying i almost pulled out my phone to facetime you but i did want to ruin the moment and look really rude because i was also sitting in front of ron steinhorst and mark hottie from uh wapaka also when paul gave a shout out to mark for helping him fix his soundboard he referred to him as mark hottie
0: yes oh so many (laughs) coach nicknames are becoming a thing so
1: it was it was delightful I I was just, I, it made me very happy. So thank you, Paul. You made my day.
0: <laughs> awesome. I'm sad I missed it. And you know what? Next year, if I don't have a reason to, I will stick around just to ha- see uh, Paul's speech. If not, stay for the whole thing. Yeah. So really I'm bummed I missed that. And I bet Mariah hated that even more than a moderate amount of applause. Right? I it bet was great. That was so terrible for her. I can't wait to ask her about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> we love you mariah yes you are so loved girl she's just so delightful and pleasant and positive and helpful and like i got there and she was already like running around helping people find places in the school and like directing people and um i got the biggest best hug from her right off the bat she's a delight
1: yeah we are
0: undeserving of her she's a gd delight um (laughs) <laughs> so we both ended up working in tab this weekend, yeah. Um, which I, I actually I enjoyed because it had been a couple weeks into the season, and I'm doing more judging, and I'm really enjoying judging. So, like, I say that, and I mean it. I am sincere when I say I'm enjoying judging. But it was nice to get to hang out with friends and have kind of a chill day in the tab room as well. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? Well, we did. We don't have a best thing we saw this week because... That is what I was going to talk about because we... Yes.
1: Yeah. So, but, but there's something we need to like discuss because we, we're having a conversation and we just want to make sure that people realize that when Kurt and I are talking about the best thing we saw this week it's not necessarily that we are like endorsing the piece or that we like are like we want people to like go out and like only have them do well like one of the things we decided to start doing the best thing we saw this week was because we have a platform we want to be able to take time to give our version a little bit of extra recognition to pieces that we saw and students that we loved and sometimes we don't we don't write down their names or know what school they're from. Sometimes we are really big about it. Sometimes we are very, very particular about that student and trying to call them out. And we just want to make sure that people don't think that we are like being like picking favorites and stuff. We're just trying to bring recognition to the students from us, not necessarily that we are trying to like expect everyone else to have the same opinions about them that we do.
0: Exactly. Forensics remains a subjective activity. We are celebrating a performance we really enjoyed. Um, but the last thing we would ever want is for a judge to be sitting in a room and thinking, I found, you know, these things about the piece troubling, but Kurt and Melissa said it was really good, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, no, that's not in the spirit of forensics, and that's not what we're intending to do. Like, your subjective opinion is your opinion, and if you find things, like, if you recognize a performance we talked about and you don't see what we saw in it, that's totally fine. Also, it's a different performance. Like, it's a different day. It's a different round so maybe the kid was on fire when we saw them but they weren't so much when you saw them so it is uh it is not meant to be an endorsement as melissa said we're just celebrating great work that we saw um and we will continue to do that with the best thing we saw each week just not this week because we didn't really see anything i did get to judge the final round of radio so i could talk about that but the you know it was a good round so yeah. I'm not gonna call out anybody in particular
1: and that's okay it happens sometimes uh, but we 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 try to make sure that we like acknowledge good performances and we try to make sure that we acknowledge everyone who we chat with but like we we gave a shout out but we like literally talked to so many people yesterday about the podcast it's kind of ridiculous um, but I did promise um holly reinall that i would say her name on the podcast uh because we got on the bus and she and her brother spent most of the bus ride home doing duets into the microphones that were on top of the trophies uh and i found it to be really entertaining so narlene here's your shout out thanks for keeping me entertained holly you did it that's
0: so cute so just to be clear they're a brother sister duo that actually enjoys each other
1: yeah it's really weird
0: Ah, oh, it's 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 nice though. It's weird really yeah. but nice. Yeah, it's really it's cute. That was nice. Um, and that's of course that's Heath Rinal, who is the new me, the the new you, or, or the new Dan. He's one of the two of us.
1: He's the new Dan. <laughs> <Based> <laughs> off of based off of the Venn diagram of interests, he's the new Dan.
0: But he's working on extemp in Congress, and yeah. in that way. He is his own person, and neither Dan nor I.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got that. He's trying.
0: Yeah, so that's great.
1: But it was a great um, day overall.
0: It was. It's always fun to see people, and it seems like every week we get to see new people, and that's that's fun. It's 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 a good chunk of the reason why I do forensics is to hang out with the people who do forensics because I think they're awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I great.
0: Let us jump into this week's topic of the week, which is uh, "Cataglorious Part 2, a name we came up with after recording last week's episode, if you were curious why we didn't reference it in the episode, but just put it in the show notes, um... This week, we are talking about uh, two categories again, because they complement one another well enough that I thought it would be easy enough to talk about both of them in the same context. Yeah. Um, and if, if you disagree and you want to yell at me about that, use the hashtag Categorious. Um We are talking about demonstration speaking. We're just and really combative in this episode today. And informative speaking. Today. <laughs> this is our dynamic this is this is on brand for us
1: (laughs) yeah demonstration Um, speaking and informative speaking formally in our wfca four minute speaking
0: yes and i think that will play a big part of the discussion um so for anybody who's not from wisconsin yeah our our informative speaking is not the national level informative speaking, although we keep taking steps to get it there. We started with a category called four-minute, which was literally a four-minute speech on any topic. It was an informative speech, uh, no visual aids. Then we changed it to six minutes to try to get it a little bit closer to that national 10-minute time length, um, and also just give students and judges a little bit more time and information uh, to talk about their informative topics. And then we added in visual aids. So step by step, we are creeping closer to a 10 minute informative speech. But uh, right now, our informative speaking is a six minute speech that can include visual aids. And for us, demonstration speaking is its own separate category mm-hmm. that is also, in its, in its way, an informative speech. Uh, but in demonstration, you are allowed not only to use visual aids, uh, but you can also use costuming. Yes so let's uh, let's define these cat well we kind of just did so
1: yeah but I will say one of, my, Ooh, <laughs> one of my favorite things about demonstration also is that it is the only category where you can have a silent partner or someone within which to help your demonstrations Mm -hmm. so whether it is a demonstration on ballroom dance technique or uh cheerleading or uh, some form of martial arts or gymnastics i think it's a really cool feature that we in the association allow a person to constitute a visual aid
0: yeah
1: as long as they remain silent
0: in our sister organization, the WHSFA, they've actually changed so that two people can be giving a demonstration speech in tandem. So you're judging them as a duo giving a single speech, which I think is fascinating. And I is a relatively new rule in the WHSFA. And as I get involved in the HSFA, I look forward to seeing how that dynamic plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how many people choose to do that yeah. and how it affects how you judge, you know, a duo demo versus a single demo and and I, that whole dynamic, I'm fascinated by it. Um, and I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing some WHSFA demo in the year. Um, so let's talk about our personal experience with the category. Um, Ladies
1: first. <laughs> I have none experience as a competitor in demo or info uh, or four minute because that's what it was when mm-hmm. I competed. Uh, as a coach, I really I like when kids come to me with really interesting demo ideas. So I'm always down for them. I also like when students find interesting ways to interpret the demonstration. uh Idea, as long as it's done well, we'll talk a little bit later about how these days it isn't always done that way. Um, And with info and informative, I feel like now that we've expanded it to allow visual aids, it has become one of the categories with the most real world application. So I am really excited to continue expanding my prowess in it as a coach as I have more students starting to do it and uh, I feel like it also makes the speech side of forensics a little bit more accessible to kids who are coming from other maybe an FFA or an FBLA who then joined forensics who already mm. have a little bit of experience in what info looks like because to them that translates through the various organizations uh, unlike a lot of other forensics categories
0: yeah I have never competed in either demonstration or informative speaking, um but I have coached several people who have gone on to finals at state in both categories. So, um, I love both of these categories. i one, I'm a huge speech guy, like i I did speech for most of my time in high school. I love helping kids write speeches. Um, I think it is such an important skill. As you said, it's probably the most applicable um, to real world scenarios that a lot of our kids will get. And I am such a, an enthusiast for both informative and demonstration speech. Which again, demonstration is really just a specialized informative speech. Truly. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk more about it. Uh, so what are, in your opinion, um, some of the elements of a successful performance in either demo or informative speaking? And I think it's important that we, j- right from the jump, talk about picking a topic because if there's any single step in the process, that's most important, I M H O h o. Did I say that right? Yes. I am a cho It's picking a topic. Yeah. I think you set yourself up for success or failure with that very first step.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you want to make sure that the demonstration you want to do is something that you know that you are great at. Not just good at, but great at because you are about to stand in front of a room and try to teach it to someone and you have to know it pretty backwards and forwards, uh, in demonstration to be able to translate because a great demonstration for me is something where I, as a judge or an audience member walk away feeling like maybe I could one day try that thing, or I could go home and be able to do that thing which isn't always what people say make like that doesn't always make the most interesting demonstration for some people. But I think that if you present a demonstration speech where you make something you're passionate about look approachable and attainable and you demonstrate it in a way that makes me want to try it, then you're doing great. So when you are deciding that you want to do a demonstration, you need to make sure the thing that you are demonstrating is something that you know that you are great if not totally effing awesome at. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I think what that does is it, it almost takes an expert to be able to explain something to someone who has no exposure to it. You know, um, the more you know about it, the easier it is to explain to somebody who knows nothing about it. And that to me speaks to what i think is like the most important part of choosing a topic in either category which is that that you have to find a balance in something that people can approach like it can't be something nobody's ever heard of before because you have a limited amount of time to talk to them about it and so if you have to describe what it is to such a great degree that it takes up your six minutes or your 10 minutes in demonstration plus setup and takedown time, Um, then you lose some of what can be interesting about the speech. You never get to what's interesting about it because you spend so much time describing what it is, but you also can't go so far in the other direction that you get into such great detail about what something is or the process of doing it that the entire speech is bogged down in a list of instructions or pieces of information. So yeah. in both demo and informative, pick something that people will immediately recognize, but that you can teach them something about. Silent just, head nods. Great solid, for podcasting. Silent head nodding. I know, so it's good. great for
1: podcasting. I'm just thinking about like, The thing that it makes that is most frustrating for me about demonstration are when a student comes and you can tell that they really are passionate about what they are talking about, but it doesn't make a good. I don't know if you just heard my cat just basically run over my shoulder. Uh, It doesn't make a good. It doesn't make a good demonstration. It's not interesting for people to watch for 10 minutes or it's not like I don't walk away feeling like I necessarily learned anything that I can like translate elsewhere or that I mm-hmm. want to like learn more about. Uh, and an in informative, it's sort of the same thing where the best informatives for me are the ones where after watching them for six minutes or on the national level, 10 minutes, I walk away wanting to go do more research. Like
0: mm.
1: I tell like for me, an info, a great info is you providing a six minute teaser for me, So that I want to go out and learn more like you tell me about a historical event and then you also like talk about a book as a source. I want to be like be so inspired that I go out and read that book or I want to go watch a movie about that event or whatever it may be. And so I think that in both demonstration and informative, you want to set people up as a little teaser to the thing that you're passionate about. And like making sure that you're thinking about that way and that the thing that you are demonstrating or doing translates really well especially in demonstration because it doesn't always do that and like this sort of goes off tangent from that but i don't think people think enough about the actual physical demonstration when they're doing it
0: okay i'm gonna stop you real quick because i have a i have a counterpoint to what you were just saying before we agree about the thing you're about to say
1: okay great so (laughs) i think everything should be a teaser kurt doesn't
0: Well, No, no, no. Just the point that you were making um, about feeling passionate about the thing, because I have, to me, one of the best demonstrations I've ever seen. um, And I tell this to my students all the time. I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before. To me, the best demonstration topic I've ever seen was the gal from Appleton East a few years ago who did the like hotel resort cruise ship towel animals. Like everybody knows what those are. It takes no time at all to explain what it is you're doing. And I don't know that she was particularly passionate about towel animals. That's fair. But man, did it make a great demonstration speech? because it was interesting, entertaining. She was an engaging speaker. She talked about not only the process, but like where they're found. She added in some puns. It was cute. It was fun. It it has stuck with me for years. And again, I don't know that that was really something she was passionate about. She was just a good demonstration speaker. That being said, the reason I think that that was so successful is it was such a good thing to demonstrate. Yeah. Which I think is the the point you were about to make. So I will let you continue to make that.
1: Well, I just I feel bad sometimes when a student comes to me and they want to show off this really like like I had a student who wanted to show how to cross stitch. And that can potentially be a really interesting demonstration. But the actual physical thing that you're doing is so small. So you have to get creative then about the physical presentation. And so I think that sometimes people don't think big enough or creatively enough when it comes to the actual physical demonstration, you get to bring as much visual aid as you want. If you want to have a setup that takes you a little while and it is part of a bang out speech then take the time to have the really great setup, to have the really great visual aid, to be able to give you the best demonstration. I think people feel like they don't, they don't want to take up too much time with their setup. They don't want to like make it awkward, but I would rather sit in a room quietly for two minutes while a student sets up a totally ridiculously awesome demonstration speech that they follow up with a really great, awesome speech, then for them to rush up there with something that doesn't really look that great or work out that great.
0: Or that you can't see that you can't see or that you couldn't possibly emulate based on the instruction they're giving. Um, Like a demonstration is not an exhibition. And I do, I have seen some demonstration speeches that are exhibitions of great talent and great training in some specific area that after having seen it, other than being impressed with how good they are at the thing, I didn't learn anything about how to do it. Not yeah. really. Um so that's yeah, to to demonstrate something is a specific skill and takes time and thought and energy. And again, goes back to picking the right topic. Because if you pick something you can't actually demonstrate it uh oh is your cat okay
1: yeah he just threw a controller on the ground because it's his dinner time in an hour and he wants to eat now um my cat right now is demonstrating how to get someone's attention and he's doing so by picking an object that's very large um, uh-huh. that he knows that I can see him pushing uh, from the distance that within which I'm sitting away from him. Uh, he also made sure to tap into me sonically by making sure that it, he threw it onto the ground so that it made a noise. So that way I was engaged on more than one sense level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, cat president over here is doing a great job at... Uh, a perfect example of things that are important, uh, in a demonstration.
0: Yes. Um, and I think the equivalent of that in informative is again, just, you know, picking something that people, uh, people can be interested in. And that doesn't necessarily mean something that you think is universally liked, Um, But you have to find something that people will have an entry point in and you have to justify it. it, The reason you're talking about it. Um, I want to tell an
1: anecdote, but I'm worried that it's going to sound like I'm calling a student out for doing a poor job. But I don't, I think, okay, I'm going to try. Maybe we'll have to cut this. But right. I once saw an in so two years ago, when info was first, like, you could first do it as a national qualifying category. At national qualifiers for NSDA, I saw a student do an information, like, an informative speech about Bitcoin. And he, like, set up his aid, and it was, like, a picture of, like, the logo for Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I was so excited. I was like, I'm finally going to learn what (laughs) Bitcoin is. You (laughs) to tell me what this means, yeah. Exactly. But the way that the student presented it was really hard because he used lots of terminology that was not layman's at Mm. all and didn't like, didn't break down what they were or like provide an analogy or metaphor to make it more attainable for his audience. So even though he was really passionate about it and even though the topic was something that I was initially super interested in. By the end of his 10 minutes, I was so lost and I had no idea what was going on because like he, there was, he just was not able to translate his passion for this kind of topic into a speech that felt informative because it's not just the idea that you're informing people. It's that people are then also taking that information in like, yeah, you can put out as much information in and informative as you want you can give out as many dates and facts and things but there needs to be fun facts with those factoids there needs to be like i mean not all events need personality or things need personality but part of informative is the idea of like like making people be interested so having an aspect of personality to it because you can be as interested as something as you want to be but if you aren't able to get your audience interested then you just walk away being even more frustrated about Bitcoin. And now here I am two later, two years later, and I still don't know diddly squat about Bitcoin.
0: <sighs> but isn't, I mean, that to me is the part of it that is speech. Like speech has value because it, it's, it's another way for you to engage an audience that isn't just the written word. It allows you to elevate the written word in another dimension. And so making sure that your audience is interested in what you're talking about is a challenge of both the writing process and a challenge of the delivery, making sure that your audience is engaged in what you're saying and that they're following you. And certainly in that example that you used, like that was at nationals, which means there was an entire year of competition to be able to determine whether or not the audience was engaged at a level that would mean he could be, he or she could be successful at nationals. So, I mean, and, and this will be, I think, a theme of the, the written writing speech process throughout. But another element of being successful in any speech is doing just that, assessing whether your audience likes what you're saying and changing it if you need to. Take notes, make changes. It's your speech. You wrote it. Yeah, Just change things. Don't be committed to the first draft that you went out with on week one. If it's not working for a majority of the people who you are talking to. So, but yeah, I think, I think that's a really good example of being on that far end of the informative spectrum, which is something that has so much detail and information that maybe it's not a good topic then for Mm -hmm. a six or 10 minute speech if in order to explain it, you need all of that information. And that's just a whole lot to take in in that amount of time. Maybe it's not a great speech versus doing a demonstration on like how to throw a Frisbee, which to me might take like, that may be too simple. There might not be enough steps there. uh, And I'm I'm, I'm not using that as a personal example. I've never seen that. Neither have I. Um, But like, it it probably will not fill your time to teach that sort of skill. You would have to add on to that. Like, perhaps teach the rules of, like, ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. And, and like, why ultimate Frisbee is different than regular Frisbee. Frisbee. I don't... Disco. See something? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody teach me what ultimate Frisbee is. I bet that would be a good topic for a uh, a demonstration, if you had 10 minutes to tell me about it.
1: Is it because we're both, like college dropouts that we don't know enough about ultimate frisbee
0: i never saw anybody on my campus playing ultimate frisbee so i don't know that i would have learned about it if i stayed in my campus which was in the middle of cincinnati
1: yeah i i mean so. all my friends who like went to college played ultimate and they like tried to teach me once but it was a sport and i was really bored so yeah but i would love to see an in give me give me a demo about it tell me right Also, what's the difference between disc golf and ultimate Frisbee? Because I don't think I exactly 100% know.
0: I thought they were the same thing. They're not. So there you go. Free topic idea for anybody who uh, who wants to take it. Um, Are there any uh, practice techniques that you would want to highlight as far as uh, creating the speech and or, uh, you know, practicing the actual presentation of the speech?
1: I think that demonstration is one of the ones where you always want to have other people in the practice room. That's not just you and your coach or the other, or your, or your student. You always want other people in the room with you. Uh, and then the feedback at the end, feeling as if asking them if they think they can walk away, if they learn something, or if a student is doing something where they can actually give materials to their teammates to try to do it along with them, like something where they're like, It's some sort of like craft object or something like like you actually doing it along with the student to see if the directions that they're giving actually provide an end result. So if a student is like teaching how to make like a, a tie blanket or something, try to follow along with it, but not like your knowledge, but off of the information that they're giving and seeing if the information that they're giving actually exactly translates into the right end product. Which can be difficult sometimes, but because not all demonstrations are like that. Uh, But if they're demonstrating dance steps, stand up and try to do the dance steps along with them as if they are like teaching the class along with you. Uh, Because it's you're teaching like demonstration. is That
0: can definitely definitely help you um, narrow down your exact wording. What in, like does this instruction make sense to somebody and if you have three yeah. people and they all interpret your instruction a different way like, the answer is obviously you know
1: yeah and then that yeah. helps you make changes then and not later yeah. and it can be fun if a student is you know trying to teach her to do something and you get to do it along with them it makes it more interesting yeah. <laughs> at least i think it does uh, or uh, one year we had a student do a demonstration that involved food. And so I just ate a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches that year.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. As I, I have many fond memories of students trying to learn how to juggle from two different students who have done the eponymous juggling <laughs> demonstration speech. So I have already uh, shown my hand on the next on um, uh like the best versions of this I've ever seen, do you have any really memorable performances of demo and or informative
1: i mean i we still we talked about it on the podcast, but getting to watch the first nationals final of informative on the whole was so motivating and inspirational and it set such a good example to me of the potential of the category it was a mixture of things that were sort of like demonstrations as how we in wisconsin know them uh, sort of moments in history as we in wisconsin know that category but also speeches that were just about very niche very particular things and i just loved it. I just loved everything about watching that and sitting through that experience and being so motivated to not think it too deeply inside of a box and be able to step out of it and really appreciate how much range both of the both demonstration and info truly do have. Uh, I'm hoping this conversation doesn't make people think that there are lots of things you shouldn't do in demonstration because there are lots of ways to do demonstration really well. And to do informative really well because there is so much to do there. Uh, I've coached everything from like really particular demonstrations on uh, like martial arts, but I've also coached demonstrations on how to write a demonstration speech. Uh, from a student who demonstration was her category. She's a two-time state finalist in demo. So her senior year, she just wrote a demonstration speech about what makes a good demo. And she did pretty well with it. She made it to semis that year with it, but it can be a place where you can sort of come and teach something like demonstrate something kind of jokey or esoteric or maybe a concept that isn't necessarily like the first thing you think of when you think of demonstration or the first thing you think of, when you think of an info. I think if you're going to walk away from this conversation with anything, it's that both categories have so much room for creativity and people need to take more advantage of it. I think we've put demonstration, especially in our state, into a really small box of what people do there. And I just wish that we could do as we do here on the podcast and break that box and encourage people to walk away from that box and show me all the amazing things that are outside of it. I
0: agree. Um, as you were talking, I thought of just a couple of things about demonstration in particular that I did want to highlight. Um, one, which is that I've had a lot of success with foreign exchange students doing demonstration speaking, and I know it's been the case for other schools as well. Um, so if that if you are in the fortunate position of having a demonstrate or a, a foreign exchange student who joins your team and wants to do something, Um, I think demonstration is always a good direction to talk to them about, uh, especially if they have some cultural reference that is one that they care about and two that they know really well that folks in the U.S. would be like, I don't know anything about that. That could be a really cool demonstration speech. Um, The other thing I just wanted to talk about as far as practicing is concerned in demonstration. It's also really important in demonstration that you practice what could go wrong. In your speech Um, because if you find yourself in round three of your third tournament and this thing that you have expected to go right and has gone right every single other time you've done it suddenly goes wrong you don't want that to be the first time you think oh what would i say if some part of this process got messed up like just know how you would handle a mess up in in demo If it happens, whether that's because you make a mistake or if it's just because something in the process that you're demonstrating goes wrong, just make sure you know how you're going to handle it. That would be one other part of of practicing that I would want to make sure uh, we mention on this podcast as part of being successful in demonstration speech. Yeah. So, um, again, we've kind of touched on, like, what do students learn from this category? Like being an informative and or persuasive speaker are really, I think, probably the most useful skills we give to most students. Um, you know, very few of our acting students go into acting professions. Um, but learning to be comfortable up in front of people and expressing emotions is part of speech as well. And so that's really, I think, you know, when it comes to sending people out into uh, the marketplace as business people, um, as anybody in the, the customer service industry, just being able to communicate well and explain yourself and understand how to structure um, instructions and how to give information in a way that's interesting and engaging to an audience. Um, that is that is gold. And that is going to make sure no matter what field of study you go into or what job you end up having that level of communication is really important and uh, will serve you well uh, as lifelong skills. Ditto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are there any myths about these categories that we would break?
1: Um, I feel like people are scared of demonstration sometimes. <sighs> like sometimes a student will tell you that they want to do a speech and they just don't necessarily know like what they want to do a speech about. Uh then it's I think demonstration's a really great place to go. I think that the ten minute thing really scares people away, like the length of time that you have. But everyone has something to offer and to show and demonstration's a really great place to start that out. Uh also sometimes like class clown kids and kids who are really like funny but not made for the solo hum world or any of the acting categories do super well in demonstration because that humor and that engagement and that sort of like chemistry that they're able to build with audiences translates so well in that category. And I believe that would translate the same in informative as well. Uh so I feel like it's a place that we don't take enough advantage of and we're sort of unsure where to put kids or what to have them try or a kid gets frustrated in a really huge category like pros and they want to go try something else and they don't necessarily know what. I don't see why we don't have more kids trying demo.
0: Yeah, it's it's usually one of the the categories with the smallest numbers. So it'd be great to see more kids giving it a shot. Try it. You'll like it. All right. So I think we've talked enough about uh, demonstration and informative speaking. But if you, as the listener, have any thoughts that you would want to share with us or anybody else, uh, make sure you are tagging your posts with the hashtag CataGlorious.
1: CataGlorious.
0: yeah, check out your uh, actual podcast description to make sure that you are spelling that the way we're spelling that. <laughs> um, so post about that using hashtag Cataglorious. Um, or you can always just email us or send us a DM on any of our uh, various communication, social media platforms. So Slend
1: to our DMs. Do it.
0: So, thanks for listening again, everybody. Um, I hope that you guys are having a wonderful weekend. The forensic season is well underway at this point. So, hopefully, people are becoming more confident. Uh, the nerves are sliding away a little bit and we can be having a little bit more fun with both, uh, performing as students and judging as adults. And, uh, we look forward to seeing more performances. Fun fact next week, Melissa and I. Will be at different tournaments. Get ready, y'all! So we will have summaries of two different tournaments on the same. Oh shoot! Podcast. Oh
1: shoot! Oh shoot! Geographically
0: diverse. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, uh, so thank you so much, everybody. Have a great week, and thank uh, we you. will Stay talk to you next week. Bye.
1: Bye. Forensics Faces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by JJ Hammeister.
0: If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at forensicsfaces.com.
1: You can also find links to all our social media accounts and our online merch store by visiting forensicsfaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen. Listen, think and speak,
0: preferably in that order.